0: Eli, I appreciate it. Okay, James chapter 1 is where we'll be this evening. James chapter 1, going back to this portion of Scripture as we've been studying it for some time now, and it's going through the book of James on Wednesday evenings, and as we come back to chapter number 1, we've been primarily looking at this one word as kind of the overall uh, context, at least in the very beginning of James, but this word of temptations. And of course, As we've seen this word, we've seen it in different contexts, uh, because that's what determines the definition of it. And, of course, in verses 2 through 12, we see this word temptations in the context of trials, troubles, persecutions, struggles, and more. And uh, that's the context of that word in those verses. And then you see it in a different context, but the same word in verses 13 through 16 of this type of temptation as enticement to sin or to do evil. And that's the temptation that they were dealing with, both both sets, Uh, going through trials and troubles and difficulties, and yet at the same time being tempted to do evil, to sin. And as I think on this word temptation through chapter 1, we deal with that word in both levels and senses even today, do we not? We go through some troubles. Go through some trials. Maybe it's not exactly as they were going through, but nonetheless we still face troublesome times from time to time. And we also face great trip, uh, um, temptations through, or to sin and to, to give in to evil. We face these times in our life. And as we face those times, um, if you're like me at least, you can find yourself troubled with your temperament. <laughs> You can find yourself from time to time frustrated through trials of life and the temptations that even even follow. As we're tempted by our flesh daily, tempted by the world around us and all encouraged, of course, by the devil and his minions, we all face it. We all go through these times and we can face them and as we face them, we can become frustrated. And so as we've been on this message the past couple of Wednesdays, we're going to finish it up today. It's this title of Frustrated Through Trials and Temptations, or Our Temperament Through Trials and Temptations, Part 3. And this evening, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous because of the part we're going to look at this evening. And verses We're going to see it in verse number 19 and 20. There's one word, it's repeated in those two verses and a little nervous about it because, well, it's something that I struggle with from time to time, and it is this one. You ready? Wrath and anger, and I—I I, I believe no doubt that these dear believers struggle with that as they are going through these temptations, as they are facing the trials of life. Man, <laughs> you can get angry through those. As they're facing the temptations to do evil, you can get frustrated because you don't want to do them. There's a battle there rages on in your in your life between the old nature and the new man, the old man and the new man. There's always that battle. They become quite frustrating, can it not? Anybody say amen to that? Or at least raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You get angry. You can almost sense, I'm not saying he was, but at least sense of frustration. From Paul, when you read about that in Romans chapter 7, he said, man, the things that I would, I don't do them. The things that I don't do, ah, I find myself doing those. You know, it's a frustrating time. We can find ourselves angry during those moments. And I believe these dear believers are doing the same. So it's a subject that's hard to consider because it's one that's, well, it can become a besetting sin for any of us. And it's one that I... I'm tempted to deal with even, well, sometimes daily, especially on I-26, amen, and during fair traffic, you know, uh, but that of anger and wrath. But let's look at it this evening nonetheless, all right? So look at your Bible with me in James chapter number one, and look at verse number 19 and verse number 20. The Bible says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Our Father, as we look to your word again this evening, I pray you to help us and help us to see this, well, in many ways can be a besetting sin, at least this subject of anger and of wrath. And I pray you to help us to be believers who can and are and should be gracious Who should be patient, who should be compassionate, or help us be more like Jesus. As we said earlier, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. God, help us to be more like our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, if you're like me, When you begin to hear someone to teach or preach or give a title about something around the lines of anger, maybe you begin to melt in your seat and you want to hide. Why? Well, because you deal with anger on a personal level as well. I am fully aware and understand that many believers deal and struggle with sinful anger. I want to say it that way, sinful anger. Because understand, before we even get started here this, this, this evening, I want you to know that the, that the key word to this that we're talking about this evening is sinful anger because we can be angry and sin not. The Bible is plain on that. We'll read it in just, just a minute. But for many people, when they struggle with anger, the one they struggle with is not the righteous indignation, but rather it's the sinful indignation and as we struggle with the sinful anger it's others around us like our spouse or our children or those that we may work with they receive the brunt force of that anger and it's quite odd sometimes that the ones we really care about the most the ones we truly love the most sometimes they get the short end of the stick of that do they not and it happens when it comes these angry outbursts But anger, listen, I want you to understand something, can be quite dangerous. And it can do much damage in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. Again, look at James chapter 1, verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's slow to wrath right there, by the way. He's saying, look, don't don't have such a short fuse. Be slow to it. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So as we consider anger this evening, number one, I want us to consider this, the definition of it. What is anger? Anger is this. It is an emotional arousal caused by something that displeases us, something that we are offended by, something that displeases us. Now, Again, it is absolutely possible to be angry and to sin not to be angry and not be in sin. There is such a thing as righteous indignation. There's 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 nothing wrong with being angry for a righteous cause, and in fact, there should be times in our lives when we are angry for a righteous cause. And here it is. You ready? To make it simple. When we have that righteous anger, is when we are angry at sin, such as, I'll give you an instance, if someone harms a little child, or someone seduces an innocent little girl, or corrupts a young little boy, or propagates some kind of that perversion, I'm telling you, I will have some righteous indignation. And especially if somebody wants to harm one of my children. Um, Anger will come out, all right? Uh, papa bear will come out growling with a big caliber. If you catch my drift, okay? And uh, it will happen. Uh, anger will come out, and that individual will have bumps and bruises as he fell down the stairs. Okay. It will happen. And by the way, if you think I'm being too harsh or, man, you're over the top, pastor, listen to what Jesus said. When it comes to someone hurting these little ones, right? Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 2. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but the fences will come. Meaning, hey, look, offenses they're going to happen. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck. He cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some strong language. He's saying, hey, why don't you um, put a cinder block around his neck, throw him in the sea. He's going to do that to some kid. Yeah, that's pretty much what he's saying. It's better that he were not even born, another portion of Scripture says. Listen, this is strong language. Jesus was angry at sin, especially when it came to hurting one of these little ones. Remember, again, when Jesus... In the temple one day, as people were using the temple for their evil gains, said said this in Matthew 21, verse 12 through 13, And Jesus went to the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Now, I don't know about you, but you try to picture this scene in Matthew 21 in your mind, uh, and you see someone flipping over tables and taking cordage and making a whip out of it, I don't think it's because they were mild-mannered in that moment. I think they were fighting mad, don't you? But this was not a sinful type of anger. It would be quite righteous anger. Why? Angry at sin. Angry at sin. So there are times, just want to put that out there, that anger can be righteous when you're angry at sin. But the anger that we deal with most of the time is not that one. The anger that we deal with is a sinful anger. That's our struggle because when it comes to anger, our emotions, they are tainted by sin. They're tainted by it. And our self-righteous and sinful anger that we must muster up in the flesh, it doesn't work the righteousness of God. Again, in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, look at it. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, a good picture of this, you can see in the Old Testament, is that of Moses uh, who, who, by the way, the Bible says was the meekest man in all the earth. But you find him at this moment having a, an anger, but it wasn't a righteous one. It was quite sinful. But understand, Moses, he had been enduring the complaining of these people. He got so fed up with it. that They came to him and said, look, we need water again. And so he went to the Lord and said, these people need water. And what God tell them? He said, look... The first time, yes, you took that staff and you, you hit the, the rock once. And that's kind of uh, typified the, what would happen with the, the beating and the bruising of Lord Jesus, by the way. But he says this, this second time, don't, don't hit it with the staff. Rather, just speak to it. Again, that typifies us praying, right, to our, to our Father. But he said, just speak to the rock. But instead of doing that, this is what the Bible says in Numbers 20, verse 10 and 11. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation to gather before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? <laughs> I can just picture it, man. He is so upset, so mad, so frustrated. He said, you rebels, you want me to fetch you water like a dog out of this rock? All right, come get your water. Instead of speaking to the rock, the Bible says that Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. At this moment, he was uh, in sinful anger because anger clouded his mind so badly at the moment that it caused him to disobey the Lord, and it cost him, listen, it cost him to enter. The promised land which he had been looking forward to for many, many decades. So yes, there is good anger, absolutely, when we're angry at sin, but the majority of anger that we deal with is a sinful, selfish anger. That's the anger. That's the definition of the anger that we're talking about primarily this evening. So there's the definition. Number two, I want to see this. I want to see the manifestation of anger. Now, Understand, anger, it can show itself in many different ways. But one of the main ways we show our anger, at least on the onset of anger, is this way. Turn your Bible, take your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, all right? Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 26 and 27, all right? Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse 26 with me. The Bible says this, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So he's talking about anger. Paul writing to the Ephesian church. But what's the next door neighbor to verse 26? We already read verse 27, so it's not, that's not the answer. What's the, next, uh, the other next door neighbor? Verse 25. Five, five, good, okay, yeah, 25. Look what it says. Wherefore, putting away lying, What's the next word? Speak. Speak every man truth with his neighbor for he remembers one of another. So the main way, one of the main ways, especially on the onset of a sinful type of anger, how it shows itself is with our speech, with our tongue. You see, whenever anger controls us, do you know what happens? We're going to let someone know about it. I'm going to give them a piece of my... Yeah, you have done it. Don't you lie. Yeah. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell somebody off. I'm going to cuss them out. I'm going to spout off. And many times when we do that, use our words and speech in conjunction with anger, understand this can be a very deadly, very deadly combination. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 15:1. a soft answer turn... Uh, I'm sorry, a soft answer turneth away... Wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Again, Proverbs 18:21: Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How do we show our anger often, especially at the very beginning? And how we definition of these words, you can kind of see the escalation of anger, especially from our mouths, all right? Look at verse number 31. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger. Now, now take note. Take note what comes after anger and clamor. What is clamor? Being clamorous. What does that mean? You got clammy hands? No, that's not what it's talking about. Clamor is this. Clamor is an outcry. What, what does that mean? Loud, boisterous yelling. Getting in a yelling match. That's what it is. Where does that come from? anger next words and evil speaking Uh, this is the greek word blasphemia it means to blaspheme means to slander to purposely injure someone's name where does that come from anger Uh, these words here in ephesians 4 and 31 are quite serious but what precedes these serious and even sinful words and reactions well it's It's anger, sinful anger. So usually when someone is angry, it shows in what we say and how we say it. This is how it shows itself. And again, we're going to get to this chapter in James chapter 3 very soon. But James chapter 3, let me read the first 12 verses to you. The Bible says this, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor, the captain, the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And is set on fire of hail, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. And hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. Unruly evil. Full of deadly poison. Therewith... Meaning with our tongue, therewith, bless we God, even the Father. We say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And yet therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. It's quite amazing the picture here that the Holy Spirit is trying to paint for us when it comes to using our words, using our tongues, using our speech in the wrong way. As he used the pen of James here, he says it's a world of iniquity, meaning it has no end to the wrong and the wickedness that our tongues can bring. And our tongue is set on fire of hell, meaning the wicked words, their very origin are out of the pits of hell. It's unruly, unruly evil, evil that cannot be restrained or an evil that cannot be taken back. You know, sometimes we wish we could eat our words, take them back. It's unrestrained, you can't. We want to, but it ain't going to happen. Full of deadly poison. There was a, uh, I heard an illustration one day of a woman who tried to defend her bad temper and her outburst of anger when she said this. When I get angry, I just explode and then, you know, it's, it's all over. But her gracious friend replied and said, yes, just like a shotgun. And look at the damage it causes Hey, amen or oh me? It's going to be both, oh, either one, right? It's true. Sometimes our verbal explosions do more damage than we realize. Again, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: Death and life are in the power of, of, the tongue. So understand, our words that are fueled by anger causes nothing but destruction and great damage, according to the Word of God. And yes, can be even, death. So let me ask you a question before we move on to our next point: How you've been speaking lately? To your spouse, to your children, to others, those you work with, those around you, to your fellow Christians that you go to church with. Because so I want you to know it doesn't matter. Anger, it manifests itself in so many other ways, but mainly and many times it manifests, shows itself in our speech. But it can also show itself, anger can show itself in our actions as well. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 31 again. As we've seen, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Here it is, with all malice. What in the world is that? What is malice? What is malicious intent? Well, is this. It's a desire to injure. It's a wickedness that is not afraid to break laws. So, malice is when you've allowed anger to take you so far that words do not suffice, that does not satisfy your anger or your wrath any longer. Rather, the only thing that's going to satisfy your pound of flesh is if you actually do physical harm to someone, even to the very point of killing them. So, yes, when you hear of murders and killings, where did it have its root? Anger, wrath, that's where its root is. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, You have heard that have been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Listen, anger is the first step toward murder. If you don't believe me, read your Bible in Genesis chapter 4. The first two brothers... Cain and Abel. The Bible says, And Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived, bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first, firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him, and Cain talked with his with Abel's brother. It's kind of interesting. He didn't reply. God was talking to Cain, but Cain didn't reply. He was too mad. And yes, he was mad at God. But he was too angry, and so he didn't reply to God. Instead, he did this. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Listen, Cain killed Abel, but what preceded that murder, it was Cain was angry and took his own brother's life. Understand something, if we allow anger, if we allow anger to take over our emotions and even our very will, understand we can do things, say things, that we wish we had never done and, and wish we could take back, but it will not be taken back. So I want to do this. I want to encourage you with this. When it comes to anger, be on guard. Guard it. Just guard it. You know what angers you in an unrighteous way. Guard it. Guard it. So don't we see the manifestation of it quickly, see the exploitation of it. Now, as I think of this word exploit, exploitation, what does it really mean? It means this, to make use of meanly or unfairly for one's own advantage. That's what exploitation is. And I want you to know that there's only one person that would exploit your anger. And he loves to see you blow your lid. Again, look in your Bible. Ephesians chapter number four. I want you see who it is. Who loves to see you burn with rage? Who loves to see you so angry? Who wants to profit off of it? Look at it with me. Ephesians four, verse number twenty six. 26. Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the. What's the word? It's the devil. Understand, when Satan finds a believer with the sparks of anger in his heart, he will fan those sparks and fuel that fire, and he will try his best to get you to cause a great deal of damage all around you. Understand, sinful anger gives a place to the devil in our lives. You know, this word here in, in verse 27, when it says, neither give place to to the devil that word "place," it gives the idea of opportunity, or it gives the idea of an occasion to act, or the idea of a working space, almost like a, a an office space in the corner of your of your life. That's what it is. Let me ask you a question: If you were in a war, do you think it'd be a good idea to allow an enemy spy into your most protected uh, briefing room for your military operations? You think that's a good idea? negative, all right, not even close, is that even close to a a good idea, then why would you ever allow the devil to have a place in your life? Because when we have these angry outbursts and we allow our emotions to get the best of us, we allow this sinful anger to take over, you're giving him a place. You're saying this. Hey, come on in. Take the captain's chair, aka lazy boys right here. Pop your feet up. I want you to sit there and just make yourself a home That's your place now. That's what happens. With sinful anger in our lives, we do we do that. We would never want it. We would never intentionally do that in our right minds. No, 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 but anger clouds our minds. We give the devil a place in our lives. So, he exploits that. That's the exploitation, but I want to see this quickly. I want to see the fortification, meaning how can we defend against the sinful type of anger? How can we guard, as James is trying to tell these people to be slow to wrath, quit having such a short fuse. How can we guard against that? Well, if the... Being angry gives the devil a place in our lives and understands something. That means that's some spiritual battle, right? Yes? Would you agree that would be spiritual warfare? Do like this, up and down. Just make sure you're alive, okay? Uh, yes. So to fight in a spiritual battle, to fight in a spiritual warfare, especially if you're thinking of anger, because that's what he's doing. He's using it against, uh, against well, <laughs> anything righteous. Then how do you fight spirit, spiritual battles? We've got to fight them spiritually. And so how do we do that? How do we fortify and guard against that? Well, this is the best way. The best way is this way with the Word of God. Again, as you think of your armor in Ephesians chapter 6, think of this, all right? To fight back. We have have one piece, really, that's very offensive and defensive, yes, but uh, this, this piece right here, the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians six seventeen, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Now, again, we, many of you may know this. We've talked about it before. But there are two main uh, words for word in Scripture. And the first is logos. And you can use this, uh, in, you can see this rather, in all of Scripture. In many portions of scripture that describes the in entirety of the word of god all right you can see that in john 1 1 in the beginning was the word that's logos and the word logos was with god and the word logos again was God. again john 1 14 and the word was made flesh dwelt among us we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth, John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth, and so many more we could list this evening that points to the entirety of Scripture. But here in Ephesians chapter six and verse seventeen, this word here is not logos; rather, it is rhema. But what is rhema? What does that mean? Well, Rema is an utterance or a word or a phrase or a saying, a portion of Scripture, a sentence, or it's this. In short, it's a verse. And it is this sword, this, this word, this rhema that the Bible uses here as our sword of the Spirit. And this is what we must use to guard against anger in our lives, that sinful anger in our lives. But how do we do that? The only way to be able to pull, pull a, a sword out of its sheath is if you've got to have the sword there, right? So you've got to memorize Scripture. You've got to hide it in your heart. If it ain't there, you can't pull it out. The Bible says this, Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments, thy word... Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? So if you want to guard, you want to fortify against sinful anger, it's something you may struggle with from time to time. The only way you're going to be able to do it is if you hide the Word of God in your heart. And what are some good verses to memorize, to combat, to guard, to fortify against sinful anger? Well, Ephesians chapter, again, chapter 4, where we've been for a little bit. There's some great verses to memorize be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil so let's make this very practical all right let's say you've got those verses memorized especially that last phrase neither give place to the devil let's say this let's say you're having a bad day anybody ever had bad days before you say yeah today i got you that's all right we have bad days let's say you're having a bad day you go home, your kids are absolutely bonkers. And they're driving you more crazy and just absolutely nuts. And uh, you're tempted just to fly off the handle and you tell everybody to shut up and sit down. That's what your flesh wants to do. But in that moment, I got an amen, okay. But in that moment, instead of doing that, this verse comes to mind. "Neither need to get place of the devil. I mean, you're pounding your fists together. But you're quoting it. I need to get place to the devil. You're looking at that kid. Need to get place to the devil. You know, you're just quoting scripture. And they're looking at you like, you're crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. you make me more crazy. But, but these verses will come out if you memorize them. And in that moment when you want to lash out and just absolutely just clamor. Remember, that's part of a, a manifestation of anger, clamor, evil speaking. You want to do that, to get your pound of flesh. Instead of doing that. Neither get place to the devil, I ain't gonna do it. Neither get place to the devil, and sooner or later you start smiling, and uh, you start smiling when you want to get angry. People really think you're crazy then, you know. But it's how you fortify? It's a very practical way. I'm talking about practicality here. Fortify against it. But the only way to do it, memorize the Word of God. Here's a few more quickly. Proverbs 14, 29, He that is slow to wrath of his great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit ex- exalteth folly. Again, James 1, 19 and 20, is a great ones to memorize as we're studying that uh, together even today. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So maybe that'd be your arima, slow to wrath. Boy, you about, I'm, mm, slow to wrath, <laughs> slow to wrath, you know. That might be your arima you need to put in your sheath to memorize that. Slow to wrath. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turneth away wrath. Maybe that's your Rima. Soft answer turneth away wrath. I want you to know I love you. But you need to calm down okay. Love you. Alright. <laughs> soft answer turneth away wrath. Soft answer. Maybe that's your Rima. Proverbs 16.32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit he that taketh the city. Here's one that I've memorized that's helped me Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. That's my rima. My rima is anger rests in the bosom of fools. When I was doing a study for myself to help fortify against sinful anger in my life personally, this is the verse God used. Anger rests in the bosom of fools, Philip. As I was reading through Ecclesiastes, God almost, not literally, you understand what I'm saying when I say this, but it's like he smacked me right in the chest with that verse. and said, Philip, you continue in your sinful anger, you're going to do some very foolish things because anger rests, it dwells in the bosom, in the heart, in the mind of fools. Is that what you want? No, Lord, it's not what I want. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. That's my Rema. That's my sword of the spirit to fortify against anger. But you got to find yours. Maybe that will be yours. I don't know. But the only way to combat against it, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You struggle with anger. Look, get in line. Take a number. Yes. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect all the time, but good night. if you can be a little less, that'd be great, right? For yourself, for others, for your spouse, for your family. How am I going to be at least a little less? And that'll, by the way, that'll continue to snowball me less and less and less. How? Fortifying your life with the Word of God, that is how. With the sword of the Spirit, with the Rima, with a verse, with a phrase, or the Word. That'll help you. Look, I get it. We all struggle with anger from time to time. But if you really want victory over it, you want victory over this. You will, you will. And I'm not going to twist your arm or beg you to do it, but I will tell you this, you will memorize scripture and you will hide it in your heart. And there are several other portions of scripture that deal with anger that you can take, and memorize, it will help you. understand there were some good godly people through scripture that dealt with anger. I'm talking about good people, prophets. Jonah, come on. I mean, that dude dealt with it, did he not? But God used him mightily. Moses, we already looked at him. God used him model Peter, we looking at Pe- we've looked at Peter's life for some time and looking at, at the, the epistles that he wrote uh, now on Sunday mornings, he dealt with anger. So just because you deal with it doesn't mean that God can't use you, but I'm trying to help you tonight by trying to get victory over that and fortify more against it. So you don't do something, say something, you will, you will regret. So fortify against it. Guard against it. Again, back in our text in James chapter 1, we're done. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow, slow, slow to wrath. Be slow about it. Don't have such a short fuse. You know what will help you have a longer fuse? Can't stress it enough. Memorizing the word of God. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not, the righteousness.